For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome in to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. I am your host, Chelsea Messenger. You can find me here every day, 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern, and also on Twitter. My handle is at Chelsea Messenger. And also check out Picks and Parlays on all of those social media platforms that you spend a lot of time on, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you search Picks and Parlays, we're usually the first thing that pops up. And so we're very easy to find. And we always appreciate your feedback if it's nice, respectful, and relevant. And you know what? Maybe try to make it funny uh, occasionally. We like humor here at Picks and Parlays. Today, a lot of things to get to, including a little educational segment. Uh, if you're new to sports betting, some things you may need to pay attention to. We're talking bets and how to bet smarter. Sharp for square plays with handicappy. Handy, handicapper, excuse me, Joe Duffy. There we go. What to look for in terms of line movement, public consensus, and following the sharp money versus the square money and what it can tell you uh, about betting some of these games. Second segment, diving into baseball because there's still a little bit of the season left and there's still plenty of ways to make money, uh, including that A's and Astros game. It's been a crazy series between these two teams so far. Both teams have combined for 51 runs in three games. So it's been a wild series. And tonight, Justin Verlander taking the mound for the Astros, (coughs) who has been really good this year. He's pitching out of his mind, uh, despite being 36 years young. But the problem is sometimes they just don't give him run support. Uh, After that, college football rapid fire. We've got seven games, seven picks, and seven ways to make you money. And as always, we love talking college football here. In the NFL, Sam Darnold has mono. So Jets fans, I'm really sorry if you thought this weekend was the pinnacle of being a Jets fan with that terrible loss to the Bills. Well, your week just got worse. Sam Darnold, first of all, I would like to know how he got mono and who gave it to him. That's going to be my investigative skills for this week. I hope it comes out. Uh, so it's, it's tough sledding for them. Le'Veon Bell also getting an MRI on his shoulder. So if you thought the run game maybe would make up some slack, you might be wrong. As I mentioned, lots to get to. When we return from the break, sharp versus square plays with Joe Duffy on Picks and Parlays Radio. Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Uh, As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you search Picks and Parlays, we're really easy to find. First off, let's start with Joe Duffy, who is an expert handicapper uh, with a specialty. And I like to call it sabermetrics just because that's the term that you hear thrown around all the time. But I believe he calls it analytics. Hello, Joe. Uh, How are you doing over there? 
I'm doing fantastic, Chelsea. And my advanced analytics say that if I were a 21-year-old multimillionaire NFL quarterback, it could be any ones of dozens of women who uh, could give me mono. So good luck in your investigation there. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have a girlfriend that does not have mono because that might spell relationship problems. All right, so let's yeah. get to it. Let's talk college football and how to bet smarter. If you guys have not been faring well in your college football bets, you might want to pay attention because right now we're going to talk some of the strategies to help you bet smarter. Let's start with uh, public consensus. This week in college football, who's everyone taking uh, percentage-wise? Okay, well, Chelsea, this first category is based on the percentage of bets. So a $5 bet would count the same as a $1,000 bet or a $5,000 bet. Now, some people may say, why? Well, people who are contrarian bettors, and this is used for contrarian information, they really want to know who the Joey Bag of Donuts is betting. So the $5, the $10, $20 better is very valuable to them. So based on the percentage of bets, the biggest consensus plays this week are Oklahoma State, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Louisville. And again, if you're a contrarian better, you would say those would be the picks to fade. But these, this is who the public is betting as of uh, minutes ago when I ran this information. So what do we do with this information? Are we saying that we don't trust the public? Are we saying these people are not making educated bets? Or what do we do with this information? Well, the theory is that the, and it's true that when the lines are made, it's not based on a prediction of the outcome. It's based on a prediction of who the public is going to bet. So the lines are adjusted accordingly. And sports books, the reason they stay in business is because Joey Bag of Donuts isn't very good. So a contrarian better, and I used to be a bigger contrarian better years ago. Now it's more cooperating information. But those teams I just named would be the teams that you want to look to bet against because you want to get bet against the public. All right. So moving on to... Um... The other side of the coin, when we're not talking about percentage-wise, we're talking about the big money. Let's talk lopsided bets uh, and some of those big bets coming in from the big money. Uh, who are some of the teams this week in college football? Yeah, and Chelsea, sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. This would also, you might hear some people refer to these as biggest sportsbook liabilities. So here's who the sportsbooks do not want to cover. The biggest bets in the percentage, in terms of percentage of money, Ohio State, again, uh, Georgia State, Louisiana Tech, and Louisville. And that is actually, again, based on the percentage of money on that one side. So what does that tell us? Well, a lot of people would say this is uh, sharp money. In fact, we're going to talk about it in a, a moment, the sharp versus square, where we compare the two. But this is where the line is most likely to move in that direction. So in other words, Ohio State, the line is likely to go up. Uh, and if you're looking to see which direction it's going, and if you're a sports book, even if you're a local guide and you don't take huge volume, this will probably be a pretty good indicator of who your, your guys and girls are going to be betting on. They're most likely going to be calling on and saying, you know, I want to bet $50 on Ohio State and uh, Louisville and Louisiana Tech. All right. So you, you touched on this a little bit, but sharp versus square money. Uh, where's the sharp money this week? Uh, I think you might have touched on it a little bit already. Uh, but also, just explain that to us a little bit, the, the sharp versus the square. Yeah, and some people like to say pros versus Joes. For obvious reason, I don't like that. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, some of the best pros are Joes. But this takes, this compares the two things we just said. 
the biggest uh, bets in the percentage as opposed to money. And when they don't disagree, if there's a big dichotomy between the two, you would bet on the money. You say the money is sharper and then the percentage is square. So the biggest difference between the money and the number of bets would be saying to bet on Illinois. Again, this would be considered a sharp play. Middle Tennessee State and Texas State. And again, quite often they're not high profile games. These are often some of the lower profile games. Right. And also, uh, let's wrap it up with line movement. Uh, where yeah. have the biggest line movements been uh, when it comes to college football this week? Yeah. And Chelsea, I know a lot of people, a lot of, from a bookmaker standpoint, a lot of them consider the opening line to be the most widely, the first widely available line, which is different than the first public line. But from a betting standpoint, most bettors like to look at the world opener. So these are line moves based on the first opening line posted anywhere. Oklahoma opened up as only a 12 point favorite. They're up to 23 and a half. Uh, Clemson minus 17 is now minus 28. Michigan State opened up laying only seven and a half. They're up to 14. One move where the favorite went down, Central Michigan minus six to minus one. But keep in mind, uh, the quarterback Dormandy and the running back Jonathan Ward are out. So by the time the widely available line came out, that information, the injury information was better known. So that last one put an asterisk next to it because it's not a result of any money move. It's a result of injury information. Gotcha. Okay, so let's talk about betting smarter when it comes to NFL this week. Uh, first off, let's talk about public consensus. Who is everyone taking this week in the NFL as far as percentage goes? Right. So again, Chelsea, as I said, this means a $5 bet is the same as a $1,000 bet because a lot of people like to fade those 5 and $10 bettors. The biggest ones, you'll see a pattern not just this week, virtually every week. The public loves, loves, loves road favorites. Dallas, Cleveland. Chicago, the L.A. Chargers, and Philadelphia. All those are road favorites, although Philly's right around a pick them now. And Carolina, the one big that's not a road favorite, Carolina on Thursday night, is also a pretty big consensus play. All right, so let's talk about the big money. Where's the big money headed this week? Right, and, and this is one, again, where the, the so-called sportsbook liabilities, where a $5,000 bet is obviously much more than a $5 bet as opposed to the, the public consensus. The, the, the teams that the sports books are rooting against, essentially, if these teams cover, they're going to take a bath. Dallas, Cleveland, Philadelphia. Again, they often overlap. Often it's the same one in the first two categories. Uh, Jacksonville and Carolina. And again, this week kind of overlapping with the public moves based on both money and percentage. And where is the sharp money versus the square money? And what can that tell us about this week in the NFL? Yeah, and then once again, this measures the two. It says if the public is, uh, if the percentage of bets is disagreeing with the percentage of money, go with the money. And the sharp moves this week are sometimes called the pros versus Joes, Oakland, Jacksonville, and Pittsburgh. Gotcha. All right, so let's talk about line movement. Uh, where have yeah, been the biggest uh, moves in the line uh, been this week when it comes to the NFL? Not surprisingly, Chelsea, one of the biggest mismatches of all time. The public would much rather bet the better team. So New England opened up at minus 14. They're now minus 18 and a half. I think it hit minus 20 in some places. Giants went from a two and a half point favorite to a one and a half point underdog. And Denver opened up at one and a half 
and now they're plus two and a half. And in the NFL, we don't see quite as big of line moves as we do in college football, obviously. All right, we've got uh, about a minute and a half left. Do you have any leans when it comes to the stats, what they're saying about tonight's game, uh, Panthers-Bucks? Um, yeah, I, I did give a, a free play on the under, and I think we, we may have even talked about that too, Zach, can't even, but basically a mathematical system that takes the, the total points that have been scored so far by each team and comparing it to what the line is and use the odds maker's knowledge against them. It's a little bit complex, but it's a math total, and I do lean towards the under in the Thursday night football game. Right, and you've been liking the unders when it comes to baseball yeah. as well. I saw you tag well, me in that tweet. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, the with the, all these September call-ups, they have a lot more arms too. So, that's yeah, that's that's another that's another reason as well. You are correct. It does help with the flexibility because you know you can you can lengthen your pitching staff, but you can still only bat nine batters. Still can still only bat nine batters. So, all right, always good stuff from Joe Duffy when it comes to analysis and analytics. When we come back on Picks and Parlays Radio, we're talking baseball. When we return, stick with us after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio. Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. I am your host, Chelsea Messenger. You can find me on Twitter, at Chelsea Messenger is my handle. And we've got Chip Trimbus joining us for some baseball. Hello, Chip. Good. Hi. You know, Chelsea, it's our time of the year right now. Big games, big money, baseball. <laughs> well, and a lot of people overlook baseball this time of year because everybody is talking about football. And, and there's a chance to make money every day in baseball as opposed to waiting on the weekend for football right. as well. So um, we've got a couple of big games tonight. Um, the first one I know you were excited about because... Uh, well, yeah. you can make a lot of money. We were just talking about right. that, this. The Astros and the A's. The Astros are, what did you say, 3-1 to one favorites? They opened 230, which is huge, and moved up to 3-1 to one with Verlander on the mound. Right. I mean, he's been so dominating. And we mentioned last time about his hits to innings ratio. Mm -hmm. 200 innings, Chelsea, and only 118 hits given up. The 2.5. Right. So that's why his whip's I mean, probably so low. It is, and he's 18 and five. The Astros love playing behind him, and and he's coming off a no hitter very recently, if not his last time. I wasn't his last time out, but um, he's two and zero against Oakland this year, 14 and six against the A's lifetime with a 2.53 ERA, and for the A's they're they're sending up Homer Bailey, and you know Chelsea, we talked about this. Homer's won 12 games this year, quite surprisingly, with a 4.87 ERA. Um, he's gotten some pretty good run support by the A's, but I don't know how much run support they can get here against Verlander. Right. The problem with Verlander is we've seen some of these huge upsets of the Astros, and it's been Verlander on the mound who has pitched very well, uh, yeah. but for some reason or, or another, the Astros just can't get the run support behind him. I think it was the Tigers game. Right. I think the Tigers might have beaten him twice. And then his, his no-hitter, I mean... He almost lost that game. Yep. If it wasn't for a two-run home run, uh, the Astros would have gone to, to extras in that one. So uh, Verlander's doing all he can. He leads baseball in several categories, uh, despite being 36 so, years young. Yeah. Uh, so it's not Verlander's fault. But. So, okay, so with the Astros, say, inability to score runs when he's pitching, instead of laying 3-1, to one, would you lay the run line here? Uh, wow, you're asking yeah, yeah. me. I think that's the only way you take the Astros here because okay. obviously the value. I mean, you can't risk. I mean, three to one. That's and and you know what? Homer Bailey has pitched well against the Astros. He's four in one lifetime against them with a 2.83 RA. Even though his and last time out, this is why I think the number is so big because Homer Bailey allowed nine runs in <laughs> Houston 
on July 22nd. So his most recent and, start against the Astros, right. he did not do well, and I think that's why this line and is so not big. O- not only that, Chelsea, but Houston's virtually an unbeatable 48 and 16 at, at home. home. Yeah. Wow. And and the Oakland A's have only won three of the last 10 in Minute Maid Park. They've struggled there. I've been there and seen these two teams play a number of times, and Oakland doesn't seem, I mean, Houston seems to have their number at home. Right. Well, they have a, a lineup that can hit a lot of home runs, and Houston is a very home run friendly park. Yeah, As we've seen, That's Verlander sure. has allowed the most home runs this yeah. season, I think in his whole career. But most of the time he's striking out, guys, so most of the time it doesn't matter. They're, so, they're pretty much solo shots. And, you know, as a as a hitter, I think you may be able to get a little bit better timing off a pitcher that's pitching in a full windup than off a stretch. Um, there seems to be something about the um, the tempo when you're at the plate and being able to actually the timing, the rhythm. Right. Uh, so what what's your play on this one? If I had to play it, I would take Houston. You know I don't, I don't lay big prices and I don't lay money lines. But this game, I think Houston's a walk over here. Oakland is 26 games over 500, which is a pretty Well, both these record. teams are good. And Oakland has a really good chance. We're fighting it out for the playoffs. I hope they get there. And, um, but I'm going to play against them here. I think Houston's a side. Straight up or so, run line? Um, I would play it. I'd have to lay the run line because I don't lay three to one at any time. Right. I was going to say because that really yeah. hurts you yeah, when you lose. Does. You lose one game, you have to win three to catch back for the most part. And one final note on that game, it's been a really wild series. There's been 51 runs scored in three games. The first game in the series, the Astros won at 15 nothing. Game two, A's won 21-7. And then last night was a little more normal, uh, 5-3. So. But the A's have been going up to, into double figures continuously. I mean, excuse me, the Astros have been getting right. into double figures continuously, yeah. uh, particularly the last two weeks. And um, they're putting a lot of runs on the board. All right, so let's talk about another American League team, the Red Sox. And... The Blue Jays, the Red Sox, bless their hearts. Even after winning a World Series last year, their GM is now fired. They've lost five in a row. Five in a row. And now uh, next up, it's a, a former Red Sox, uh, Clay Buckholtz, on the mound for the Blue Jays. Thoughts on this one? That makes it kind of interesting because Buckholtz was a member of the Red Sox, part of starting staff. He pitched mm-hmm. a no-hitter. He's pitching the World Series. Ten years he's with the Red Sox. Now he's got no shot. He's with Toronto. He's in the great white north up there. And um, the Blue Jays, you know, are very, very weak. Very young. They brought up some, some they talent. Have some, yeah, they have they, some young they guys that can talent, hit the ball. But they don't play well against the Red Sox, But even though they did defeat them last time out at home. They've only won five of the last 26 times they've hosted Boston there. But there's a new story for the Boston Red Sox. Chelsea, they have... Um, how do you pronounce this? Julio? Just say Ch- Julio Chassin. Julio <laughs> on the mound. He was 3-10 while pitching for the Brewers with a 5.6 ERA. They jettisoned him to um, the Red Sox. And like you said, he's pitched two times in relief and hasn't given up a hit in only three years. Right. He's but that's been pretty a good. It's very a small, small sample. It's a small sample very size, small but sample. he has uh, pitched three innings in relief for the Red Sox and hasn't allowed a hit or a run. So maybe he can keep that hot streak because I know some of these pitchers, when they go to new teams, it's a new atmosphere uh, and they get a new chance. So No, I agree. And and there's new blood here. for. um, I think the Red Sox are pretty much understand that they're not going anywhere. I mean, I think since they lost to the Yankees that last series, last amount, now they've lost five in a row. And they're... I'm just thinking they're looking to get through the season, see if um, Chacon can help him in any yeah. way. And um, he has had moments in his career, but of late in the last uh, recent seasons, he hasn't pitched well. But I think this is a team win, Chelsea, with Boston being favored $1.55 on the road, which is a pretty heavy number. I just think the overall talent for the Red Sox is so much better than what you have in Toronto. 
that um, Boston is decided here, and I expect them to win easily. All right, so let's move on to the Nats and the Twins. The Nationals, uh, I believe they're still competing for a wild card. They've got Pat Corbin on the mound, 11-7 and seven with a 3-1-6 ERA. The Nats won 6-2 last night behind Steven Strasburg. A great start from him. The Twins are starting Kyle Gibson, 13-6, yeah. 4-5-8 ERA. And the Twins have a four-game lead in the AL Central. Yeah, and that's why it's kind of strange that we have a first-place team. And this is an interleague game, Chelsea, and I don't quite remember when two teams are bound for the playoffs from the National League and the American right. League were in big games down the stretch. And that's what this is. This is a big game for just about everybody. I mean, Minnesota has a four-game lead over the Indians and probably at least a wild-card spot locked up. While Washington's battling it out and um, they're trying to stay ahead of the Phillies and catch the Cubs, Pat Corbin is on the mound for um, Washington here, and he's had a great season at 11-7, and 3.16 um, ERA. And, you know, Corbin is the favorite on the road here, which is quite surprising, Chelsea, considering that the Twins are the home team, and Gibson has been a standout at 13-6. and six. But maybe the fact that Gibson has just spent some time on the injured list, and his ERA, his ERA before going on to the injured list in his last five starts was 7.18. So we're going to have to see what Gibson does here. And yet, these two teams seem to play to the under when these guys are on the mound. Um, Washington has gone under 10 of the last 13 starts when Corbin's been on the mound. And in interleague play, Washington Chelsea has gone to the under 36 out of 49 outings. And Minnesota's gone under nine in a row when just nine in a row overall. I think that's the way to go here. If you're looking for a definitive winner on this game, mm -hmm. I'm using this as my top play on picks and parlays tonight. So if you log on and follow the buy links, that's where you'll find this, find this mega buck winner. It is the single strongest play of the day that I posted on the board. But I think um, for the show purposes, playing the under nine and a half was the opener would be the way to go here with Corbin and Gibson on the mound. I think both these teams... Um, playing a low-scoring game tonight. Right, and last night it was 6-2. So That's, well, I'm not sure go. what the line was last night, but... Well, that was, that was part of the under where I said that, you know, Minnesota's lost and not played, not lost, played nine straight to the under. And it's kind of surprising considering all the home runs they've hit this year and they're one, yeah. of, the, one of the major league's leading teams in scoring runs. But they're playing under. Corbin has been outstanding, 3.16 ERA. So I expect this game to go under the total. Yeah, Pat Corbin's really been a good addition yeah. for the Nationals uh, coming over from the Diamondbacks. Uh, people on the Diamondbacks, I remember, have been telling me all along that he's got great stuff. Uh, he's got excellent uh, command of his fastball, and he has some good breaking pitches. So, I mean, but, he's having a good year because sometimes you can have great stuff and still not perform. Well, you know how I feel that control is 90% of the game out there when right. you're on the mound. I mean, and you look at a guy like Greg Maddox that couldn't break a pane of glass, we used to call right. him, right? And yet he'd put the ball where he wanted, and he had control, didn't walk anybody, and he made you hit his pitch. When you can do that, yeah. you're in charge. Even there. though Pat Corbin has more explosive stuff, I think, than him, I would say Kyle Hendricks is more along the, the Greg Maddox train. I, I love that Hendricks style. I mean, he is difficult to hit. I know as a hitter, to be up there, you, you have to be confused half the time, Chelsea. You don't see a straight pitch. Right. And, and nothing's coming the same speed or same angle. He's got such a variety of pitches, and he throws it all for strikes. I think he's one of the better pitchers out It'll there. It'll be interesting to see if the Cubs make the postseason, because as you know, like the Cubs are a big public team. Yeah. But that division is so crazy. It's the Cardinals. And their road record is 30-44. and 44. We've been bemo bemoaning this all year, right? I mean, they go right. Right. They go to San Diego last night, don't score a run. They get beat 4 nothing. We used the Padres as our top play last night. 
And, um, but Chicago has not been able to win away from Wrigley Field. I know, and that's an issue, especially if you're not winning your division, because when it comes, if you even make the postseason, you know, you're going to have to go on the road. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, I feel like they have all the pieces, but for but, some reason or another. And, you know, the second half of the year, if, if you were a smart player, you would notice that John Lester was a guy to fade. He's, um, he's really, his ERA and his stats have dropped dramatically the second half of the season, even before the All-Star break. And I think that's hurt them. Right. And, I mean, age is a factor. Not everybody's Justin Verlander, which I want to know whatever <laughs> regime he's on because he just gets, gets well, better with time. Well, he, it's, <laughs> he's dominating, so dominating and great. And, you know, there have been other pitchers have, as they got older. I mean, Nolan Ryan did really well. And, you know, but that as was they got a older. different time, though. But, you know, he has the same type of mentality where he's right. throwing hard every night. He's not looking to bow out of a game after seven innings. He wants to right. complete every game when he starts. He is a true Hall of Famer. Right, and he, and especially in this era of people only pitching five innings. Yeah. But that's our baseball talk. Yeah. Uh, after the break, we're talking college football. Stick with us on Picks and Parlays Radio. Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. I am your host, Chelsea Messenger, and right now we're going to do college football rapid fire picks because there's a lot of college football games to get to this weekend, and we want to cover quite a few of them. Uh, we've got Tony T and Craig Trapp joining us today. And guys, I'm going to save you the, the pleasantries and we're going to get right to our picks. Let's start with Stanford at number 17 UCF. Stanford gets their quarterback uh, back this week. KJ Costello uh, cleared to return after missing week two and that big loss to USC 45-20. Meanwhile, UCF is 2-0 on the season with wins over Florida A&M and Florida Atlantic. Tony T, what's your take on this one? Well, we got UCF favored eight and a half, total 62. This is an experienced Knights team. I'm on the side here with UCF minus eight and a half. Of course, the uh, Knights offensive coordinator said that Brandon Winbush will most likely play here. So that's why we've seen the line move here with Winbush in the lineup for his senior season here. He did sit out of the game against FAU. But, you know, it's just a really a bad spot for Stanford. Back-to-back road games. Their, their secondary did not look good against USC last week. And, of course, they're looking at the game against Oregon next week. So uh, I will definitely be on the side here of UCF minus the 8.5. That is a lot of travel. All right, Craig, you next. What's your take? Big question is I loved it when Stanford opened this line at uh, 2.5 minus 2.5. Now, like uh, Tony said, it's 8.5 for UCF. I do like UCF here. I just wish we would be getting this at a touchdown or under. But I do think the speed of UCF will be just like USC, where it's just too much for Stanford and Really, Stanford should be 0-2 against the spread if they didn't uh, get pretty lucky the first week. And I think uh, they lose again here. I, I like uh, the UCF minus the points at home. All right, let's move on to USC, who just beat Stanford 45-20 behind a great performance from freshman quarterback Keaton Slovis. A bit of a surprise there for some of us that bet that Stanford-USC game. Uh, they're playing at BYU this week. Tony T, uh, do you like BYU or do you like the favorites, USC, by four and a half? All right, we got USC favorite four and a half, total 56. You know, Chelsea, I like this game a lot. I like it so much that it's one of my top plays over at picksandparleys.net. So check out picksandparleys.net for my big play from USC at BYU. All right, Craig, give us some info on this game and where are you leaning? I was definitely doubtful last week uh, with true freshman Slavis, but I guess we shouldn't be doubtful with his uh, 
high school quarterback coach was Kurt Warner, a Hall of Fame Kurt Warner, and he spoke so highly of him. I, I just was like, man, maybe he's just a, talking him up. But he looked awesome, I think, at BYU. I think he's going to be very good. I do think BYU keeps it close in the first half. But I think UC, USC pulls away in the second half and covers the four and a half points on the road. Right. Uh, BYU is coming off a thrilling 29-26 two-overtime win over Tennessee, which my condolences to Tennessee fans. They are 0-2 since um, the first time since 1988, which is the year that I was born. So it's been a long time. Uh, let's move on to number one Clemson at Syracuse. Clemson is favored by 28 points, and the total sits at 62.5. Tony T., how's that line looking to you? Uh, do you think Clemson covers in this one? I do believe Clemson will cover minus 28. I've been down on this uh, Syracuse team since I saw them play Liberty. And, uh, they, I, you know, I put me on uh, Maryland last week, and they absolutely pounded uh, Syracuse. Here's the issue here with Syracuse. This is not the same team that's given Clemson fits the past couple of seasons. Eric Dungy is not under center. It's uh, uh, Tommy DeVito, and he's not been very effective quarterback. Uh, he's, and also, too, Syracuse defense has struggled under Dino Babers. It's always been the offense that, that the one shootouts, but now – the offense takes a step back, and uh, you know, you look at that luckless that lackluster performance here by the Orange uh, last week, down 42-13 at half. Um, you know, then you look at the offense here for the Tigers, averaging 510 yards a game. I think they'll be able to win and cover this game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence hasn't been, at least statistically, uh, quite as impressive as a lot of people had thought. Two touchdowns, three interceptions this season. Uh, is that reason for panic for Clemson, Craig? I don't think so. I think that actually sets me up for this week's game. I mean, the only worry here is the line moved 11 points. Clemson was favored by 17 with a total of 58. The line moved all the way to 28 where it is now. I still like Clemson at minus 28 there. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a really big game. That total has also moved the touchdown. It's 65. So I think it I leads me to I like Clemson here at minus 28. I also think the under here is a pretty strong play as well. Well, Syracuse was supposed to be one of the tests for Clemson heading into the season, but now after two, uh, an underwhelming win over Liberty where Hugh Freeze was actually calling their game uh, from a hospital bed and they only won 24 nothing. Uh, Syracuse did. Uh, yeah, college game day was supposed to be going to this game, but now they're going to Iowa, Iowa State because Syracuse has really not shown us anything. Let's move on to Florida State and Virginia. UVA favored in this one, minus 7.5. The total sits at 58. Uh, Tony T, what's your take on this one? Are you taking Florida State uh, even after this year where they've really looked really terrible? And I don't know what's going on with Willie Taggart, but... Maybe things get better. What do you think? Uh, no, they won't. I like Virginia here, minus seven and a half. You know, the Cavaliers, an experienced defense, helped pit to, to 14. I know they played an FCS team uh, last week and, and showed good defensively. And they're a balanced offense. They run for about five yards a carry. But the issue with Florida State has been the defense. You know, Chelsea, it's not just this season or Taggart. It has been for several seasons that we've seen the Seminoles' defense really start to worsen week, uh, year after year. They're allowing 520 yards a game. They couldn't separate from UL Monroe. And I'm a little concerned here about the Seminoles um, running back here, Cam Akers. 36 carries uh, last week, and now he's going to face a stout Virginia defense. And, of course, Seminoles defense gave up 30 of 40 passing, 282 yards, three touchdown passes to UL Monroe's quarterback last week. I have to look at Virginia here, minus, minus seven and a half. All right, Craig, are you leaning that way? Or are you taking the other side? It's awful hard to, to lay more than a touchdown here. With I, I don't say this is a must-win for Taggart, but 
it's a must win if, if you if you want to keep your job at the end of the year. And I think the play on this one is actually the over. I mean, this Florida State defense has been terrible. They brought in uh, Coach Levitz that was with, of course, um, with him at Oregon. He's going to help out in the defensive side of the ball, but I don't think it's going to change the personnel. They gave up 44 points last week, 36 against Boise in the bowl game. They gave up our last game of the last season. They gave up 41 points. So I think the over here, I, I think they give up 35 plus in this one. And I think they'll have to uh, score with them. So I think that leads us to the over 58 and a half. And what is a, I think a must win for Florida State. Right. I think a lot of fans are really hoping that they win because it's been a tough season for Florida State fans so far when we thought maybe that they'd be better this season. Uh, let's move on to TCU and Purdue. TCU is favored uh, minus two. Total sits at 53. Purdue is probably without their starting quarterback, uh, Sindelar, uh, despite he had 509 pass yards last week versus Vanderbilt. So that's a big hole in their offense if he does not play. Uh, Tony T, uh, opening thoughts on this one. Yeah, this line here, the line's all over the place. You, you, you should shop for the best number here. I found it under, I found it 53 and a half. I like this game under a total of 53 and a half. Sindelar with that concussion is being diagnosed. He missed practice early this week, and it looks like redshirt freshman Jack Plummer gets the start. We're looking on the TCU side defensively. They have a lot of juniors and seniors on defense. And let's face it, Horn Frogs is a defensive team. They're coming off a bye week after facing FCS Arsenal Pine Bluff. A good defensive performance there. So this is a fresh defense that gave up 23 points a game last year. And let's face it, Sindelar, he leads the nation in passing yardage and touchdown passes. But, you know, looking at TCU side now, quarterback play has been inconsistent last year. Senior Transfer Alex Denton from Kansas State really has not been impressive. I see TCU keeping this game on the ground, probably milking the clock, and this one going under a total of 53 and a half. Well, wasn't TCU the team that had five quarterbacks that were in play for the starting <laughs> job uh, during the spring? I believe they're still using a two-quarterback approach, which means you can take it to say that no quarterback has stood out enough to earn the starting role. So that scares me for the TCU offense. Uh, Craig, what do you think on this one? Well, I'm actually opposite of Tony here. I, I do think that TCU would like to play a slowdown game, but I just don't think you can play that against Purdue. They just they play up tempo. Brom, if he wins, he basically wins in a shootout. I mean, 42-24 last week, 34-31 at Nevada first week. So, I mean, they did uh, lose, the, obviously, the first game. Uh, they gave up 63 points also to Auburn in the bowl game. So this is a defense that struggles. I think TCU will score a little quicker than they probably even want to. And that puts these uh, uh, defenses out on the field way more than they want to. I think the over here, like uh, Tony said, these lines are all over the place. The total is set about 52 and a half everywhere. But these lines, you can get them from anywhere from two to three. Um, and I even see the other team being favored at two, um, which I guess maybe they're just conflicting on the injury status of uh, Purdue's quarterback. Right, and the only thing I have about that is Purdue has one of the best receivers in all of the land in Rondell Moore, but the problem is if he doesn't have someone to throw it to him that's accurate, uh, it kind of cancels him out. So that's the only factor uh, that I would consider when it comes to Purdue and scoring a lot of points. Let's move on to another team that scores a lot of points, Oklahoma. Uh, they are 22-and-a-half-point favorites at UCLA this week. Total sits at 73-and-a-half, and probably for good reason. Oklahoma scored 128 points in two games this season. Meanwhile, UCLA under Chip Kelly is 0-2 with losses to Cincinnati and San Diego State. Uh, Tony, thoughts on this one? All right, we got Oklahoma favorite here, 22-and-a-half, a total of 73-and-a-half. We're going to go Oklahoma and UCLA to play 
under a total of 73 and a half points. You know, the Bruins offensive output just been poor. They've been held to 14 points to both San Diego State and Cincinnati. They've averaged just 239 yards a game on, on the season. They've shown better work on defense and holding opponents to 2.7 yards to carry 48 yards rushing. Excuse me, I get some water here, but I'm going to go <laughs> under the total. Give it to Craig. <laughs> right. Uh, the only thing, uh, time of possession, I think, is going to be a factor here uh, because, as you mentioned, UCLA's defense is pretty good, but the problem is uh, they're out on the field a lot because <laughs> their offense just isn't very good. Uh, and especially against this Oklahoma team that is capable of scoring so many points. Uh, maybe UCLA just doesn't score that many, and it's just a one-sided game where Oklahoma uh, has to hit the total by themselves. Uh, Craig, what that's, do you think? That's why I look at it, Justin. I'm coming back here. Excuse me, I'm just fighting the oh, cold. Here. Yeah, I don't think UCLA is going to get the offense here. And I do see a little improvement defensively here with the Bruins, but uh, I do believe that UCLA uh, will have difficulty scoring. They won't make it to 20. That means Oklahoma has to score 50 points or more. I don't see that happening in this one. All right. Tony gets the effort award for yeah. <laughs> sticking with us. Craig, thoughts on this one? Well, this is actually my bookie buster top play of the week. Nine and three run in college football so far. I really like this one as the top play overall for college football week three. I do think the unders are solid play. Last year, remember, uh, 49-21 at Oklahoma. And obviously that wouldn't cover this. I think it's going to be pretty similar as far as the, the tempo of this game. I think it will be really tough uh, for Oklahoma to cover by themselves. I just don't think on the road you get 50 points here. So I think the under is a solid play. But my top side of the week and bookie buster play of the week is on the side. You can get it at pick some parlays. All right. Final game on the docket. Iowa, Iowa State. Iowa State is plus one and a half despite playing at home. Uh, Iowa is 2-0 and this season with wins over Rutgers and Miami of Ohio. Uh, Iowa State only has one win because they've only played one game. 29-26, a three-overtime win over Northern Iowa, but they do have a bye week. Tony T., uh, what do you think on this one? I like Iowa State here at plus 1.5. Total sits at 44.5. That's kind of a low total. I don't want to touch this one, but you made the point here. Coming off a of bye week, I think that's critical here because this is a circle game for Iowa State facing their rival here. They got past FCS school, Northern Iowa in week one, but that was a look ahead spot, but I'm definitely looking here. I think Iowa state really, really, really uh, a good coach, good head coach, a lot of weapons offensively. All right, Craig, 30 seconds quickly. Give well, us we covered this earlier in the week. I like, I like on the Iowa on this one, minus one and a half line has moved. So make sure you shop this one around. I'm against Tony on this one. All right. Uh, we'll be back after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio, wrapping up all of our picks from today's show. Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. I'm your host, Chelsea Messenger. You can find me here every day, 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern, and also on Twitter, at Chelsea Messenger is my handle. And also, you know what? Check out Picks and Parlays on all of your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you search Picks and Parlays, we're really easy to find. And we also stream the show live every weekday. So if you want to tune in that way, definitely an option. And if you're watching that way today, hello, I'm waving. Uh, let's get to our recap of all of today's picks because we had a full show. And let's start with Major League Baseball with Chip Cherimbus. Uh, Boston at Toronto taking the Red Sox minus 155. Washington at Minnesota taking the under nine and a half. Oakland at Houston 
taking the Astros minus 300, which I'm not going to recommend do doing because that's a huge number. I say at least take the Astros on the run line, but that's my uh, amateur opinion. Moving on to Craig Trapps. Uh, college football rapid fire picks. Stanford at UCF. Take UCF at minus nine. Clemson, Syracuse taking Clemson minus 28 to cover that big number. TCU at Purdue taking the over at 52 and a half. Tony T also gave us some college football picks. Florida State, Virginia taking Virginia minus seven and a half. Oklahoma at UCLA taking the under 73 and a half. And Iowa. Iowa State, the big game this weekend where College Game Day will be camping out. Taking Iowa State at plus one and a half with the home team. Tony T is going with Iowa State. Should be a good game uh, as indicated by that spread. It's almost a pick em, so we're expecting a good game. And good luck to everyone this weekend. I guess it's not Friday yet. Don't worry, we'll be back tomorrow with even more football talk and, of course, our daily baseball picks. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow on Picks and Parlays Radio. Bet, win, repeat. See you guys tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.